you're an entrepreneurial public servant, this podcast is for you. Welcome to Inspiring People and Places, where we interview national leaders in the architectural, engineering, construction, and development industry in an effort to educate, innovate, and inspire industry professionals to disrupt the status quo, improve their project teams, and steward public and private investments more effectively. I'm your host, BJ Kramer, President and CEO of MCFA, and in today's episode, we actually do not have a guest. Uh, I've been talking for a couple of weeks that we we are lining up some guests, um, and you've been following, um, I think every other week, we've been dropping one just by me. Uh, so bear with me. I'm still, still getting used to uh, talking to the audience here. Uh, but today, I wanted to talk about EOS and the Olympics. Uh, right before I came in to record, I was asking our a bunch of our junior team about what to talk about. And uh, our newest employee, shout out to Hannah Basho, um, who's doing incredible things for us. She's only one month, one month out of school and one month into the company. And uh, she said, why don't you talk about the Olympics? And I, I thought she was going to say one of the two obvious things. One, just the Olympics in general, current events. Or two, uh, there's been a lot of talk about um, Simone Biles and the emotional health and, and, or mental health. And I, I would certainly love to talk about that. Um, but she was actually talking about how the U S only honors gold medalists. And as a former college swimmer, you know, this, this had me thinking about a bunch of different things. One is that there's a quote and I don't know where I heard it or who said it or, or when it was said, what have you done for me lately? which is kind of a corporate mentality. Uh, it's certainly an NFL mentality when you talk about athletes or coaches. You know, you're only as good as, as your last game. You're only as good as your last win. So I was thinking about what have you done for me lately? But as a college swimmer, I, I think it's important to, to remind everybody what it takes to get to the top of the top of the top of the sport. And um, – I know our producer, Iron Mike Stedman, boxer, he, he can probably talk about boxing and maybe I'll have him jump in here. But swimming, two people from the country get to qualify for any one event. So I think there's there's 16 events. This is terrible. I'm, I'm the president of Jersey Wahoos, which is a, a national swim club. I should know exactly how many events there are, but I think it's 16 um, between relays and individual events. Two people get to go. So in order to qualify for the Olympics, you have to be like the top 1% of the top 1% of swimmers in the country. And then to that's just to go to the Olympic trials. And I let's say that 50 to 75 swimmers make it in each event. Then in order to go there, let's just, you have to be the top two. So then to go on to win at the Olympics, a kid I a kid I um, coached growing up. He was he's uh, when he was thirteen. He's swims for Notre Dame. He is he swam for um, his family his dual citizenship. He's a Panamanian citizen. He got to swim at the Olympics this year. We don't even see him because he was in the heats. He wasn't in any of the finals. But he's like still the top of the top of the top. Uh, so I wanted to highlight how hard it is to get to the Olympics, then how long, hard it is to get into the finals at the Olympics, and then to highlight how hard it is to be the very best um, and to medal. And to be top three in the world, uh, Hannah made a point that like 
we give nobody credit for silver and bronze. We only worry about gold. And I just think it was a good reminder um, that, you know, to honor all of those that are, that are putting everything on the line. Um, and then I'll jump to Simone Biles, uh, mental health, you know, Michael Phelps, also a swimmer. Uh, he brought light to mental health issues in athletes. Uh, I've read a number of articles in the last, probably the last year, the drain of mental health has, has had on working parents, uh, entrepreneurs that got punched in the face during COVID, you know, people that left their jobs to start businesses right before COVID happened. So mental health is real and uh, probably worth stating, you know, I've had friends, I've had soldiers um, lose a fight against PTSD. Uh, I've, I've battled with my own inner demons uh, around survivor's guilt. Um, so if, if I can normalize that conversation in any way, shape or form, I'd like to echo, you know, Simone Biles taking care of herself, being self-aware enough um, to to step back. And I'm I'm as tough as they, you know. I I want to be the, the tough guy. I've always, you know, felt like you know, hard work, push through, figure it out, overcome. Uh, but I think, you know, recognizing how much uh, mental health means and and what that mental health. Uh, means to those those we lead, those we work with, um, and those people in our family. So, uh, if if you you know if you don't feel comfortable getting help, by all means, reach out to me. Um, if I can if I can be a shoulder lean on, um, I'd love to be that for for anybody listening, uh, because we all go through struggles, and we all uh, we all have good days and bad days. We all have good streaks and bad streaks. And uh, I guess that's all I need to say there. Uh, but that brings me to EOS. So I've, I've talked about EOS a number of times or, or at least dropped uh, references to it. EOS is the entrepreneurial operating system uh, that we subscribe to at MCFA. Uh, I got put onto it uh, by another entrepreneur, uh, Joe Evangelisti. And it was I was looking for a framework to really have a, a – a strong conversation with my business partner, Michael Furman, who founded MCFA. Uh, interview coming soon, by the way, with Michael. Let's put him on the hot seat. So we used it to kind of get a conversation going about where are we trying to take the business? How do we, how do we come together? Uh, anybody that's been in business with somebody else knows that it's, it's a marriage. Um, you really have to align your, your ideas, your ideals, your expectations, um, and you have to get on the same page to make it successful. So I thought the best way to do that was to really have a facilitator. And I came across EOS, again, Entrepreneurial Operating System. The uh, The book that if you want to reference it is there's actually a series of books. I've got one in front of me uh, that was a follow-on, but the first book was Traction by Gina Wickman. This follow-on is How to Be a Great Boss. Uh, also by Gina Wickman and Renee Bower. And I may have gotten very, very lucky with our implementer or facilitator, uh, whose name is Mark O'Donnell, because he he must have done so well. He is now the CEO and vision head visionary of Traction. So Gina Wickman um, sold, I think, the majority of the business to a private equity company, cashed out, uh, and Mark uh, rose up as the 
as the CEO of that organization. I think he continues to be an implementer, uh, but he was our implementer and we did about, I think we did two and a half years of sessions and they were quarterly sessions and annual annual plan, planning sessions. And I talk about quarterly and uh, annual planning, but the uh, starting point of where I'm going with this is one of the big things we had to align around was what's our 10 year vision. And, and, you know, there was a number of surveys we were doing and, you know, what are our core values? What's our core focus? What's our why? Um, you know, what do we think we're best in the world at that type of stuff? But it, it got to like, where do you want to take the business 10 years from now? And there was a lot of discussion over it. Um, and we kind of just settled on this revenue slash profit slash number of business goals. We both are entrepreneurial. We wanted to, you know, and, and we just, we just kind of checked the block and said, man, it would be cool if we could turn ourselves into a $10 million business and then help 10 other people build $10 million businesses. So the, the goal was a hundred million dollar business, hundred million dollar capital corporation. Uh, this is two years ago. And we wanted to keep that small business entrepreneurial feel. So it wasn't a hundred million dollar business. It was 10, $10 million businesses. And we always like, we would always caveat that every time we looked at it, it's like, ah, eh, if it's five to $20 million businesses, who cares? Uh, but it, it really never struck any impact on me, on anybody on our team, I think. Uh, it was just kind of like, oh, yeah, we're, it's big and it's hairy and it's audacious, um, which is what it, it originally came from was Jim Collins' BHAGs or Steve Covey's BHAGs, whoever originally uh, coined that phrase. Two weeks ago, I sent out an email to, to our email distribution list. And uh, if you don't get that, uh, go to our website, www.mcfaglobal.com and uh, check it out. But I, I set out, I kind of reset our 10-year goal. Uh, I'm coming up on 10 years at MCFA. I've been uh, majority owner now for uh, just over two years. And it was bothering me that like it was just not an inspiring goal. And uh, Gino Wickman talks about how Kennedy... Uh, John F. Kennedy, when talking to NASA, was gonna said we're gonna we're gonna put a man on the moon by the end of the decade. You know, a ten year goal. Uh, so people call it the moonshot, right? What what are you going to accomplish in ten years? And the people at NASA, when he said that, were like, "How the hell are we gonna do that?" Um, so I just put out what I think is a pretty uh, it's it's certainly audacious. It's very aspirational, very. I think inspirational and, and a number of my employees have talked to me about it since um, because a hundred million dollar revenue goal just was not moving the needle for me. Uh, it certainly would have changed my life, but uh, it, it wasn't exciting. So we started this podcast this year. So one of the goals in 10 years is to have 1000 interviews on our podcast um, and my dad called me right after that, right after I showed him the draft of the email and he's like, 1000, you're not even releasing one a week right now. 1000 in 10 years is two per week. Um, so my dad is very much an operational, uh, mind guy thinking immediately thinking, how the hell are you going to do this? But I believe that, I believe that we'll be able to do that. The point of that is like, I think that the people I get to talk to on this podcast 
um, are pretty inspirational people. They're leaders of public agencies. They're leaders of uh, public infrastructure, public facilities, complex healthcare facilities, complex rail systems, core, former Corps of Engineers, uh, general officers. And then there's private sector uh, leaders that uh, I've either gotten to know or, or have seen from afar. Uh, and we have a number of people coming up, like I've, I've referenced in the past. Uh, there are people like Dana Spain, who, who are uh, extremely entrepreneurial, uh, solving big problems like we talked about. Uh, I think she was on last week or two weeks ago. Um, so the goal is to, to interview a thousand people, but it's really to partner with a hundred of them to make an impact on our world. And then as I talked with Jill Jameson, I guess two months ago and Duke DeLuca, and, um, I continue to see the veteran population struggle. I just read a statistic this morning that one out of every two transitioning veterans uh, are either lost or don't have a job or like, and I can unpack that. Shout out to Michael. He tells me I say unpack too much. Uh, but I think that, I think that stems from you commit your, your youth, you know, you, people join at either 18 or 22 or in, in the service academy, you start at 18 and you're being trained to believe that what you're doing is important. And I, I do believe it's important. You're being trained to, um, to do something greater than yourself. And then we send you to combat. Uh, and then we bring you back and we say, you know, go get a job. And this isn't, you know, it's, it's not something I, I don't want to, you know, there's not a number of people that'll say, well, figure it out like everybody else. And I agree that veterans need to figure it out like everybody else. I just don't know that we, the training and the process to develop veterans or to develop soldiers and, and airmen, Marines to be who we need them to be in combat. Um, we don't do as good of job of prepping them to transition. Um, so there's two things I see. There's this need in the veteran population to transition veterans from uh, the military into a career path. And I see all of this discussion around our aging infrastructure, the Biden infrastructure plan, and a huge gap in the professionals and the, um, and the labor force to go implement these projects. So We've announced a goal to train, and I don't know what that means yet. Um, it, it means one thing to me. It means some other things to our team. Uh, it, may be, it may mean us co-opting with, with universities across the country. Uh, and I'm saying this out loud because if, if you have ideas, I'm, I'm interested. But we're going to train 1,000 transitioning veterans for the AEC and development space. So architectural engineering, construction, and real estate development um, if you're a transitioning veteran that's interested in this industry, get in touch with me uh, because I want to train a thousand and I plan to hire 100 of them at MCFA. And then the last business related goal is there's a housing crisis going on. There's a homelessness crisis. I think it's tied to a lack of job and a lack of meaning. 
And let me go back to that real quick. Anybody that works on public infrastructure projects, if, if you listen to Duke DeLuca or Jill Jameson, you understand how much public infrastructure is involved in driving our economy and, and creating a great nation. So transition from a meaningful job in the military to a meaningful job in the engineering construction space, because everybody plays a part in contributing to our society. And I, I think if, you know, our job, my job is to create an environment at our business where you are serving something more than just the almighty dollar, which is why fun is a core value. We want to create a fun environment that trains you, that, that challenges you, uh, but that, that gives you a meaningful career. All right. So that's a thousand veterans trained. Uh, and hire 100 of them. And then last is to provide 1,000 units of housing, invest, develop, and build 1,000 units of veteran housing across the country over the next 10 years. Uh, we're looking at our first project down in Florida. Who knows if we'll end up pulling the trigger on it, uh, but it's it's a property that could support 100 units of housing. And uh, Dana Spain doesn't know it yet, but somehow, some way, she's going to be involved in that project. And then last, uh, we want to take 10% of our profits every year and donate them to veteran-led nonprofit and veteran-led initiatives, whether that's for families of the fallen, uh, like the Dennis W. Zelinsky Foundation does, or if it's like Ironbound Boxing, uh, a veteran-led nonprofit in Newark, New Jersey, that's helping uh, inner city youth you know, prepare themselves for life through the sport of boxing. So I think it's I think it's important, and I I talked about this in my email. If you haven't read it, we'll post it in the show notes uh, because I do think you know if it if it helps one person or if it attracts one person to my company, it's worth it. I think to whom much is given, much is required, and I think that uh, we as a company have been doing very well. And I, I credit some of that to EOS. I also credit a lot of it to our employees, uh, but I think. You know, we, it's our job, it's our responsibility to, to be stewards of our success, to reinvest that into meaningful ways and to make an impact in our world. So back to EOS. So that's what I, I went down a, uh, a track there because of 10-year target. And I think, I think the 10-year target's important. But the other thing uh, tied to what have you done for me lately goes back to quarterly reviews. And last week I talked in my email about I was grading papers and I started thinking I should make my team grade themselves on their quarterly goals, quarterly rocks, quarterly KPIs. And it, it led to a very healthy conversation. A lot of them were harder on themselves than they should have been. But I think it also forces us to set goals that, you know, if I'm grading myself on or if, if I'm judging myself on accomplishing this or not, I think that we can we can be a little we can be a little too uh, easy on ourselves, but if we're actually grading ourselves, I think it leads to a healthier conversation. Um, and those quarterly conversations are another tool that we got from EOS. And I just want to highlight because in this book, How to Be a Great Boss, uh, there's two checklists. One is a management self assessment, and the other is a leader self assessment. And uh, if you hung on this long, this is worth hearing about. I think it's the most powerful part of uh, one of the most powerful things to remind ourselves. All right. So the, the management self-assessment, and this is, this is before you meet with your um, subordinates, just to get yourself in a mindset and to remind yourself, are you 
Are you doing what a manager needs to do? Number one, I keep clear. I keep expectations clear. Mine and my subordinates. Roles, core values, rocks, and measurables are KPIs. Number two, I communicate well, me and them. We know what's on each other's minds. There are no assumptions. Question to statement ratio. This is, we ask more questions than we, than we give uh, direction. Um, three, I have the right meeting pulse. Even exchange of dialogue, reporting measurables, keeping the circles connected. Uh, and, and meeting pulse is, you know, as we talk about in the military, is battle rhythm. Uh, are we meeting often enough? Are we meeting with the right people um, regularly, et cetera? I have quarterly conversations. And then last, I reward and I recognize giving positive and negative feedback quickly, criticizing in private, praising in public, being their boss, not their buddy, applying the three-strike rule when necessary. So that's the management self-assessment. And then there's a leader self-assessment. Leadership, which, which the, an, another uh, thing from EOS is leadership plus management equals accountability. L plus M equals A. Uh, and I'm a big subscriber to that because we, I, I think that one of the biggest things missing in, in all organizations is accountability. And I think this leadership and this management assessment does a good job of, of forcing us to be accountable to each other us to ourselves, us to our organization, us to our subordinates, subordinates to us. Um, so the leadership self-assessment, number one, I am giving clear direction, creating the opening. Creating the opening is allowing uh, that pregnant pause to allow your subordinate to, to give feedback or to, to feel comfortable uh, saying that they're, they're not clear on something. Two, I am providing the necessary tools resources, training, technology, people, time and attention. I can't tell you how many times time and attention I look at myself and I say, "Hey, you know what? I didn't I didn't put enough. I didn't invest enough of my time in this person." And that's where MCFA University, MCFA 101 and 301 was birthed out of. It was a it was really an accountability tool for myself to say, "I'm going to talk about topics that are very important to our company every week." I'm letting go of the vine, delegate and elevate. Everybody's heard me talk about delegate and elevate before. Um, number four, I am acting with the greater good in mind. Company vision, my actions, my decisions, walking the talk, company needs first. And last, I am taking clarity breaks. And this is a probably a good one to, uh, to circle the wagons and, and come back to mental health. I'm taking clarity breaks, focusing on the business, Creating clarity, protecting my confidence, scheduling clarity breaks often, daily, weekly, or monthly, and using a journal or blank legal pad. Um, and if you haven't taken a clarity break in a while, use this time to take the clarity break. Uh, take that as your action item at the end of this podcast. Go to a quiet place, a beach, a park, a, a coffee shop, blank notebook, and just write, write. Everything that you write, everything that's bothering you, every goal that you didn't get to write down, every idea that you thought you should do, uh, any bill that you forgot to pay, anything that's going on uh, that's creating angst in your life. I think it's a uh, it's it's a method it's a method of journaling, but it's a method of just clearing the deck uh, and and creating clarity. And I, I highly encourage everybody to do that at least once a week. And 
probably the more people that you are responsible to or responsible for, probably the more often you should be taking those clarity breaks. Um, as, as a, I think it was Mark O'Donnell had told me, a crack at the top of the organization is a chasm at the bottom of the organization. And that crack could be our mental health and our anxiety. And when leaders bring anxiety into the organization, the whole, the whole, the whole organization is anxious. When leaders communicate something unclear at the top, that, that lack of clarity leaks to the bottom and it's like whisper down the lane. All of a sudden, uh, what was meant to be just a passing comment becomes, you know, a, a mountain out of a molehill. Uh, so with that, I'm going to close with uh, a quote that's sitting here on my desk, uh, The Man in the Arena by Teddy Roosevelt. And it it's, goes this, it's not the quote, it's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. Um... One of my favorite quotes getting through West Point and has remained one of my favorite quotes in life. Uh, Anybody that's out there kind of swinging the bat, entrepreneur, small business owner, transitioning veteran or a public agency uh, executive that that has too much on their plate. uh, Cheers to you. Thanks for what you do and keep up the fight. If you're enjoying this show, do us a favor and subscribe to Inspiring People and Places on iTunes, Spotify or your favorite podcast hosting platform. We'd also also greatly appreciate if you left us a review and shared this with other entrepreneurial public servants and transitioning veterans. Be sure to visit our website, www.mcfaglobal.com. Sign up for our newsletter if you want to learn more about the MCFA DNA. Last but not least, as I mentioned, we are hiring project managers, project developers, construction managers, construction inspectors. Uh, If you are thinking about getting into this industry, we may have a job for you. Please get in touch. And uh, until next time, have a great rest of the week.